on 39 Milahot, which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Shalach, in the year Tav Shin Pei Beis. Welcome, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for taking the time on a very busy, still very, very short Friday. Yes, it may be two minutes longer than it was two weeks ago, but it's still very, very short. And it's very cold outside and maybe a little bit rainy, you know, but it's a day that we all look forward to. To, to Shabbos, it's all, we all look forward to being inspired by a very special Shabbos. As we'll see, this is, of course, Shabbos Mavarachim of Chodesh Tammuz. So there's lots and lots going, going on. But let's start and talk about the Pasha. In the very beginning of the Pasha, Rashi actually focuses on the juxtaposition of the incident of the Miraglim, which is the main incident in this week's Pasha, the spies that are sent to Israel to sort of see what the land is like and bring back a report and made up their mind to come and say negative things about Israel. And the uh, Miraglim and Miriam, which was the incident at the end of last week's Pasha, speaking inappropriately about Moshe. <clears throat> and the punishment that she received for that. On the surface, the two incidents do not really seem to have a common thread. Rashi explains that Miriam's comment was considered Lashon Hara concerning the Miraglim. Rashi says that Rishayim Halalu Ro these wicked ones saw what happened to Miriam and did not take a lesson from it. In other words, they too spoke negatively. Indeed, Miriam spoke against Moshe and they spoke against the land of Eretzishol. Apparently, a parallel exists between the two. Does, does Rashi's opening statement labeling the Miraglim as Rashaim because they saw what happened to Miriam and did not take a lesson, does that make them to be Rashaim? Right? Is, is that the Laylahu Musa might be a, a character flaw, but does it really render one? A, a Russia, if you see something and don't learn a lesson, does that automatically make you a, a Russia? So, Rav Shneur Katlazatal explains that the Miraglim were guilty of a lack of perspective. Some people view an incident from a positive perspective, and others always view it from a negative vantage point. Miriam Hanaviah was actually aware that her brother Moshe was unlike any other person who had ever walked the face of the earth. He was on a spiritual plateau far beyond anything that mortal man could begin to imagine. 
Hashem considered him to be his most trusted servant, right? The, the consummate adherent to the master's every uh, instruction. Surely, Moshe carefully weighed every decision that he made and he took every ramification into consideration. Therefore, if he decided to separate from his wife, he had made a well-thought-out decision that concurred with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Rather than take all of this into mind, Miriam had a negative outlook concerning Moshe's action. This was the heavenly claim for which she was punished. One does not take a, a kind of a jaundiced view, especially when she has every reason to characterize what occurred in a positive manner. It was this error, negativity, that was considered insubordinate. The Miraglim should have derived a lesson from Miriam. They should have introspected and seen the benefits and positive attributes of Eretz Israel. Instead, they took the good and made it appear deficient. The flaw was in their outlook, not necessarily in the land. Right? They ignored the lesson to be derived from Miriam. As a result, they became the, the paragon of, of, of change, how a tzaddik can change into, into a Russia. It's all in the eyes. One sees, as always, what one wants to see. This is 11.9 High FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We're just getting started. Please stay with us. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Shalach Lecha, or in Erev Shabbos Parshas Kodesh, but we are here in South Africa, and well, welcome to all of our radio family, thank you so much for joining us and being part of our team today, we're going to have a very, very interesting discussion today, not exactly your run-of-the-mill Discussion, because of course this week we're talking about the Miraglim, the spies who were sent by Moshe Rabbeinu to Eretz Yisrael with a very specific mission of things that they needed to find out, certain questions they had to answer that would allow Klaishol to plan how and when they were going to enter Eretz Yisrael, how they were going to capture it, and how they were best going to deal with the inhabitants. Of, of the land. Of course we know that it didn't work out the way uh, uh, it was planned because 10 of those 12 spies decided to speak negatively about Eretz Yisrael and give their own interpretation to the facts on the ground that that they saw, and thus they swayed the momentum and, and, and convinced all the Klai Yisrael to give up hope and, and absolutely despair of ever being able to go there to show and be victorious in the fight against the seven nations who lived there. And, and therefore, they cried 
And therefore, it was decreed that the entire generation would not make it to Eretz Yisrael, and it would be their children, in fact, who would go, who would go to Eretz Yisrael. Who were these spies? So the Torah says, Kulam Anoshim Roshe B'nei Yisrael Hema. They were all very, very, they were Anoshim. Anoshim always means important, distinguished people. Roshe B'nei Yisrael. They were the heads of, of B'nei Yisrael. Now, if you look at the names, most of the names are not familiar. These are not the, the Nesim, who we read about extensively in, in last week's Pasha, as in the traveling and the week before, as the ones who brought the special carbonus that accompanied the dedication of the Mishkan, these were other people. Who were they? Might be very, very surprising. In the in the Shara Gulgulim, it says that you have to know that these ten Miraglim, that when they before they went to go and spy out Eretz Yisrael. So <clears throat> they had implanted into them the neshamas of the shvatim, the ten, not just the ten sons of Yaakov. Actually, their neshamas were instilled into these ten muraglim. And this is really the secret, what it says way back when Yosef was the, the ruler in Mitzrayim, and his ten brothers arrived to buy food, and Yosef challenges them and says to them, no, miraglimatem, you are spies. And in fact, he was hinting to them that in the future, they were going to be the neshamas that would be infused into these ten Miraglim who were going to Eretz Yisrael. And that also then is really the, the depth of, of what it says in the very beginning of Pasha Shlachlacha, that these were Anoshim, Chosha people, Roshay B'nai Yisrael. These were the heads, these were the founders of the B'nai Yisrael because they were Mamish, the B'nai Yisrael themselves. They were the sons of Yaakov Avinu, of Yisrael Saba. And therefore, it doesn't say, like it says uh, in Pasha's Pamilba, Roshe Alpha Yisrael, the leaders of the, of the multitudes of Klai Yisrael. Rather, it says Roshe B'nei Yisrael. They were themselves the sons of Yaakovina, whose name is also Yisrael. However, after they made a decision to go and, and speak Lashon Hara and, and bring out uh, what they saw, in their opinion, as being negative factors about Eretz Yisrael, and now they wanted to come back to Moshe Rabbeinu and to speak their nefarious uh, uh, news about Eretz Yisrael. So then, those neshamas, the neshamas of the Shvatim, left left them. The neshamas that had been instilled in them before they went to Eretz Yisrael, the, those now, those now left, as as it's well known, that someone who had just has a neshama infused into him, that neshama can leave at will whenever it wants to, which is not the case, but what we call a a gilgal, and in fact, what it means to say is, 
In fact, the 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 uh, Gulam says it himself that there's a big distinction and a big difference between a, a, a neshama that comes back as a Gilgal and its purpose is in order to fix up and repair and and somehow and somehow uh, uh, correct something that it did wrong in a previous uh, a journey down to this earth. Because then, the neshama goes into a particular body of a person, and he's infused on the day that baby is born, and he's not allowed to separate himself from that body until the day that that person dies. And he has to go through all the trials, all the travails, all the tsaras, all the suffering and difficulties that that person incurs during his lifetime, the neshama has to experience them along with the body. And even the, the pain of, of death, the neshama has to go through again. However, when the neshama of a, of a great tzaddik comes down to this world, not for its own purposes, not because it needs a tickle, not because it needs some kind of a rectification, but rather in order to help someone else to overcome some huge and difficult test and confrontation that he's facing. So then it's not coming as a a Gilgal and it's not necessarily infused at the time of birth. It comes into the person uh, only when, uh, when it's needed for a particular amount of time that where that person needs help, where that person needs the support of that tzaddik's neshama. And then it's, it, no, it doesn't have to stick around to bear any of the tsar, any of the tsaris, any of the difficulties of that, of that body. And if there is a situation where the neshama of the tzaddik has nachas, he, he, he's happy and he sees that the body that he has uh, gone into is behaving beautifully, is, 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 is making a kiddush Hashem, is, is coming closer to, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So then he'll stay there. But if the person in, in whom he's been uh, uh, kind of infused, Chas Shalom, does Averis, so then he's free to leave that body uh, uh, before the person does an Avera even, in order that his neshama, this, this neshama of this tzaddik, should not be impugned, should not be ruined, should not be sallied by the avera, by the avera that this person is going is going to do. Based on this, come this forum and say that since that the neshamas of these shvatim, they weren't, they didn't come down as a gilgal into the bodies of the muraglim. But they only came just as a, a visitor in order to help them to, to overcome this terrible, terrible test that they were facing in going to Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, at the same moment that they decided, that these Muraglim decided to speak negatively and, 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 and speak spitefully about Eretz Yisrael, those Neshamas, the Neshamas of the Shvatim left those 10 people, even before they did the Aveira, 
in order that nothing, that no, no imperfection should accrue to the neshama of that tzaddik for being associated with the body of someone who does who does averus. In fact, as as he as he says it, says uh, when the spies went to spy out Eretz Yisrael, so they made a, a, a nefarious and evil plan amongst themselves to speak Lashon Hara about Eretz Yisrael, and therefore those neshamas of the Shvatim who had uh, who had come come to to kind of be visitors in them, as he mentioned. Then they, they left because, as it's as well known, because a a uh, a neshama who who connects himself to a a human being, right? Uh, uh, you, normally, if it's a Gilgal, he can't leave there until the day of death. But if he comes only as a as a visitor, as a as a support, so then he can leave whenever he feels that the person is about to do an avera. That's why it says, "Suru no me'al oleyo anoshim harashoyim ha'ela." Go away from these from these sinners. And not only that, but even the neshama of the person himself uh, leaves at the time when a person does uh, an avera, as the Gemara in in Bracha says, "Harashoyim b'chayeim keruyim esim." Rashon, even while they're still alive, they're actually already dead. Because if they're dead, then they're dead because they don't have a neshama. The neshama doesn't want to have to bear the responsibility for the sin that this person does. And therefore he goes. And therefore the neshamas of these great tzaddikim, of the ten shvatim, are, are, are left. Based on this, we're going to travel a little bit further. But we're going to do that after the break. This is 101.9 Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. Please stay with us. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, soul to soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas, Shalach Lachatov Shin Peibes. Thank you for joining us. We are in the middle of a very interesting discussion. We've brought that the 10 spies who went with Yeshua and Kalev to show actually had special visitors. They were infused with the neshamas of the ten shvatim that went down to Mitzrayim originally, and those neshamas stayed with them until they made a decision to do an avera, and then the neshamas of these great tzaddikim left left them. And based on this, the Arizal explains when it says that when the Meraglim came back. After 40 days in Eretz they came back to Moshe Abenu. So it says, Vayelchu, they went, Vayavoyu, they came on Moshe Aaron to Moshe and Aaron. And it's interesting to say, we're talking about after the trip, why does it have to say Vayelchu? They, they went. Why do we have to even mention now that they're coming back? Why do you mention that they went after they've already returned? Right? It said before, by Yeshuvu they return from their uh, reconnoitering the land, Mikates Arbaim Yaim, at the end of 40 days. So then it should have just said, By they came to Moshe. Why does it have to say, By Yelchu? So he says, the fact that it says, By speaks about, not about them 
the, the ten spies. It's speaking about the Nishamas of these Shvatim who left the Muraglam and went back to, to, to Ganeim. So who's Vayovoyu Aaron? That's the Muraglam himself. So Vayelch was referring to the Nishamas which departed and went on their way. And Vayovoyu refers to the actual Muraglam who came to Meshavayu. Using this idea, he goes on to explain the reason why was it that Moshe Benu specifically davened for Yoshua? Well, we know that the Torah tells us that Moshe Benu changed the name. His uh, his name originally had been Hoishea, and and Moshe Benu changed it to Yehoshua with the tefillah Ko Yoshia Chome Atzas Munaglim that HaKadosh Boku should save you from the plans and designs of, of Nuraglim. How come Moshe Rabbeinu didn't daven for all the Muraglim? Because each one of, of the Muraglim, we know, had the neshama of his predecessor, of, of, his, of the head of the Shevet. In, or, and that was meant to help him to overcome the, the very, very difficult test and assignment that they had. But Yeshua, who himself was the Nasi of Shevet Ephraim, Ben Yosef, he didn't have anyone, any neshama to come to him because the neshama of Yosef was already uh, 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 already involved in, be, in, in becoming part of the Nasi from Shevet Menashe. So Yosef wasn't available to help and aid Yeshua Benun for Mate Ephraim, because the Neshama of Yosef, the predecessor of his Shevet, was already kind of committed to Shevet Menashe, who in fact was, was the Bukhar. And therefore, that's why it only mentions the name of Yosef by the Shevet of Menashe. When listing the 12 uh, 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 spies, it says, Lemate Yosef, Lemate Menashe, to the tribe of Yosef, the tribe of Menashe, Gadi Ben Susi. And his name is not mentioned at all, Yosef, by Lemate Ephraim, Oshea Benun. Just as the tribe of Ephraim was Oshea Benun. In order to teach us that Yosef was, was, uh, was sent only to, to uh, help the Nasi of Shevet Menashe. And not Yeshua, who himself was the Nasi of Shevet Ephraim. And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu had to daven a special tefillah for Yeshua that he should be saved. He sh- without the aid of, of one of the neshamas of one of the, neshamas of, the of, of one of the Shvatim to aid him, he needed a special tefillah from, from Moshe Rabbeinu not to, to fall prey to the, to the plans of the, of the Amoraglim. And that's why he says that the uh, the eleven shvatim they were visited by the eleven uh, 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 neshamas infused into the Muraglim. But Shevet Levi, who never had a portion in Eretz Yisrael, so they they didn't care. They didn't need to send spies. They completely believed what Hakadosh Baruch Hu said. They had like, total emuna. They never sent the spy. But instead. <coughs> Who was the twelfth spy? So Yosef was divided into two: Menashe and Ephraim. 
and in the in the in the uh, spy of Menashe. So there, the neshama of Yosef came to visit, and therefore it says, "Lamate Yosef, Lamate Menashe." Right? Because any place uh, uh, where where where, where it's me- Yosef mentioned, that's where the neshama was. But by uh, uh, Ephraim, normally, in fact, normally we mention Ephraim before Menashe. Here we mention Menashe first, right? And and nevertheless. Yosef was sent together with Shevi Menashe to teach us, which we said, that, and therefore Yeshua was sort of left all by himself, without any buttress, without any support, without any external neshama to help him. And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu was very afraid to send him because he was very, very prone, very liable to be sucked into their, to their hate. And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu called Yeshua Hashem Benun Yeshua, as Chazal said that he davened on him, especially that he should be saved from the Muraglim. Now, he carries on and says that therefore, why did Moshe Rabbeinu call him Yehoshua and daven from him Ka Yeshiachom Atzas Muraglim? Because the Neshama of Levi. Right, which is the the the, uh, the ancestor of the shevet of Moshe himself, so shevet Levi or the neshama of Levi had not been committed to any of the shvatim, because shevet Levi we know didn't participate in the sending of of spies to spy out Eretz Yisrael because they anyway didn't have a portion in. In uh, in Eretzel, and they they are totally muna and Hakadosh Baruch So therefore, by calling Hashem's name Yehoshua, Moshe Rabbeinu was davening that Hakadosh Baruch should send should invest into Yeshua the neshama of Levi, who was the 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 predecessor of of his own Shevet, right? Who really was right to have been sent to aid Moshe Rabbeinu himself. And instead of Moshe, Levi went to the Nisham to join Yeshua, his Talmud, who we know that uh, a Talmud is, is, is as important to a Rebbe like his son, in order to help him to overcome the Nisayan of, of the Muraglim. And as, as he says, that the, the that that is the soy, that's the secret of why he was given this new name, because Moshe Rabbeinu davened that Yeshua shouldn't go alone, that the neshama of Levi ben Yaakov should accompany him, because there was no other, uh, no spy from the shevet of of Levi, and therefore he had not yet been uh, allocated. He should have gone with Moshe Rabbeinu, who was from shevet Levi. And really, Moshe Rabbeinu should have gone on this shlichus uh, himself, representing Shevet Levi. But instead, Moshe Rabbeinu delegated and sent Yeshua, his main student, instead of him. And uh, because, as like I said, because he considered him as great as his own son. And therefore, the Neshama of Levi, instead of accompanying Moshe, went and accompanied uh, Yeshua. The Ben Ishai, 
in his Sefer Ben Yoyoda in Megillah wants to explain how come Yeshua Ben Nun only had daughters and never had any sons. And he says as follows, it seems to me, based on what it says in the Chida, in Chaim Sanach, quoting Moreno Rav Chaim Vital, that Rochav, who became, we know, the wife of Yeshua, that she was a Gilgal of the wife of Potiphar. And Yeshua was a Gilgal of Yosef HaTzadik himself. And therefore, Eshes uh, Potiphar, in, in, in this second round, married Yosef HaTzadik. Rochav was the Gilgal of Eshes Potiphar. Yeshua was the Gilgal of Yosef. And now, she realized her desire and was able to marry Yosef. And he brings there that now he understands what Chazal say in the Medrash Rabbah in Parshas Vayeshev, that Mrs. Potiphar said to Yosef HaTzadik that she sees in her astrology that she needs to marry him and he needs to be with her. And the truth was, that was correct. She saw about what was going to happen in her next Gilgo, but she just didn't know exactly how it was going to happen. But that was actually the reality. And it's well known that Yosef HaTzadik never had any daughters. He only had two sons. And therefore, Yeshua, who was the Gilgal of Yosef, he gave birth to daughters, Dafka, to, to complete whatever was missing uh, from his first adventure into this, into this world. And, and therefore, it's, it's brought down in the, in the Svarim, in Imre Noyam and other Svarim, that the Neshama of Yosef HaTzadik, right, we said, was, was uh, Neskalgel, came back to help Yeshua Benun, who was his, obviously, his descendant of Shevet Ephraim. And from him, from, from Yeshua, who's the sender, who's the giggle of Yosef, needs to come Mashiach ben Yosef. Mashiach ben Yosef, we know, is going to precede Mashiach ben David, and he'll be killed according to this tradition, but he's going to come from a descendant of Yosef. And through this, Yeshua himself was, on one level, through the Gilgal, he himself was Mashiach ben Yosef. He was, he, came, he was the Gilgal of Yosef. And therefore, Yeshua and Kalev were sent specifically to be spies of Eretz Yisrael, as HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, commanded <coughs> to send to Eretz Yisrael, Ish Echad, Ish Echad, one person from each Shevet, which alludes to the two of them. Ish Echad, Ish Echad, one plus one is two. They were the two spies that really needed to go. And therefore, in the same way as Moshe Rabbeinu commanded Shalach Lecha Anoshim, Anoshim, the minimum of Anoshim is two spies. The Kavanah really was that the two spies that should go and 
go exclusively only by themselves were Yeshua and Kolev, because Yeshua represents Mashiach ben Yosef, and Kolev, of course, who comes from Shev Yehuda, he represents Mashiach ben David. And if they themselves would have been the spies that went to Eretz Yisrael, so of course, they would have spoken only positively about, about Eretz Yisrael, so then that would have been the absolute tikkun, and they would have gone straight to Eretz Yisrael, and, and, and Mashiach would have come. But if, unfortunately, Yisrael didn't, didn't, weren't, weren't prepared to just have them as the spies, and they wanted a representative from every single Shevet uh, uh, to go, and therefore, what happened, what happened, that, that uh, bad things were said about, about Eretz Yisrael. So based on this, we can say that if Am Yisrael would have listened to what Hashem said, and they would have sent just two people, just Yeshua and Kalev, so Emela, then the Neshama of Yosef then could have gone to Yeshua directly. He wouldn't have needed to go to Menashe. And therefore, he would then have been Zerka straight away to be the Mashiach ben Yosef. Kalev and Yefune would have been Mashiach ben David. And we would have reached, we would have reached right then at that, at that, uh, at that time to the absolute and complete uh, rectification of, of everything. But when Kleiso wanted to, say, to send also spies from the other Shvatim, so then they, we, now we needed to sort of take Yosef's Neshama and not give it to Yeshua, but rather give it to the Nasi of Shevet uh, Menashe. And therefore, uh, it couldn't have gone together with the Neshama of, of Yeshua. And therefore, Moish Rabbeinu had to daven, Hashem should help you from the Atzas Mrogam. His intention was to allude that because of this, we're not being Zaycha right now to the full and ultimate chicken of the world. And, and therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name is not, it's Ka. It's not Yud K Vav K, all four letters. Hashem's name, since it's not yet the Tam Mashiach, Hashem's name is not yet is not yet complete. Perhaps we could add even additionally that in the Tandvelio Rabbah it says that one time that our our Rabbanim and the other Chachamim were sitting in the base Medrash and they were discussing one with another, and they said, the last question, where is Elio going to come from? So one said, Elio is going to come from the descendants of Rochel, and some say, no, it's going to come from the descendants of Leah. And they're fighting and arguing back and forth. So says, I came to them, and I stood in front of them, and I said to them, says Elio, comes and says to them, he says, Rabbi Isai, I'm only going to come from the seed from the descendants of Rachel. And they sent to me, they said to me, give, give, give us a sign, give us a sign that this is, that this is so. So Elio said back to them, didn't it say, 
in the in, in relating the the yichus of Sheva bin Yamin and Divriyamin, it says uh the Yaharsya, the Alya, the Zikri, Binay Yerucham. It mentions as the sons of Yuchum, which came from the tribe of Binyamin, it mentions Elia. And they said to me, But you're not a Kayin. And didn't you say to the to the Ishaumana in 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 Malachim that Ach Asili Mishamugatana make me a small cake, Mary Shina, from the first flower, the Oitseli and give it to me, and then make for you and your son afterwards. So you obviously just thought you got first, you must be a client. So Elio says, I said to them, <coughs> that child was the son of Yosef. And I was giving him a hint that I'm when I'm going to come first to the world, I'm going to come first to Babel, and then Ben David is going to is going to come. So we see that there's a, a very, very direct connection between Mashiach ben Yosef and Eliyahu Hanavi. Furthermore, the Ramban brings down at the end of Pasha's Bashalach regarding the war against Amalek, and he says, uh, everything that Moshe and, and Yeshua did in this war against Amalek, Elio and Mashiach ben Yosef are going to do also for Klaisal in, in, at, that, at that time. In other words, the Mashiach ben Yosef, he's going to be the one that fights with Amalek, right, or the, 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 the armies of Esav, and Eliyahu Navi will be together with him in in that in that uh, in that war. So, if that's so, then we can say that when Yeshua sent spies to spy out Eretz as you read in Aftarah, he did send only two spies. He sent Pinchas and Kalev. And we have to say, why did he choose Pinchas? Because we know that this was after the whole story with with Zimri. Right where Pinchas was already merited to be a Kayin, Belalni Kayin, Pinchas who Elio. Pinchas we know later on became El Elio. And as the Chidah says in, in Midbar, Midbar Kedemus, that Elio Anavi, Zochulatoiv, from the very beginning, he was a Malach. And when HaKadosh Baruch wanted to create the world, he said, Tell Yo and to all the other Malachim, let's make human being. So he said to him, If Hashem, if if you want to do it, so then I certainly will agree. And if you want, I will go down and I will serve human beings. And uh, 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 after a while, he went down and he created a situation where people believed. That Hashem is Akarish Baruch. And after a little while, where they believed that Hashem is in the world, so then they brought him back to Shemaim. Right? And, and they said to him, Akarish Baruch said to him, You will be responsible for my children always. And based on that, it's so sweet to understand what Chazal say that Pinchas is Elio. And, and, and it's exact in the language because it should have said Elio 
is Pinchas. But this works out so nice because Elio came long before. Elio was a malach from the time of the creation of the world. Therefore, Pinchas, we know, has the neshama of Elio Hanavi, which is Mashiach ben Yosef. And together with him was sent Kaleb ben Yefuna, which was from the tribe of Yehuda. And that is Mashiach ben David. And that it will lead if not now, but very soon, to the ultimate tikkun of the world that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted originally to bring about when he said Shlach Lecha Anoshim. But unfortunately, instead of it happening right then, we daven and we wait for the time where the there will be a revelation of the Mashiach ben Yosef and Elianavi and the Mashiach ben David. This is 101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul. Please stay with us. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, sold, so back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kedish, Pashas, Shalach Lechotav, Shin Pei Beis. Thank you for joining us at this segment of our Shir together. Let's do as we always do at this point and give you the important details you need to know for this coming Shabbos. So the earliest time, to light your Shabbos candles this afternoon will be at 19 minutes past 4, 4.19. Uh, you can light candles, right, getting two minutes later, but plenty of time to get everything done, get everything on the hot tray or, or plot or whatever you're using. Get the food nice and hot because it's cold out there. You want to spend a really nice, warm Alel uh, Shabbos together. So get those candles burning early and then either go to shul or if you're going to dive at home, then do that and let's make Kiddush and have a wonderful evening. The latest time for benching licht this coming Shabbos is seven minutes past five. Five oh seven is the latest. Make sure that everything is organized and kind of up to speed by by then. Shkia. Then is that twenty five minutes past five. That's the absolute latest injury time. If you sort of really really stuck to, to uh, do malach until that point. But of course, we don't rely on that, certainly in the first instance, and we make sure that everything is done long before the time of, uh, of uh, Shkia so that we can fulfill the special mitzvah of adding on and increasing the length of Shabbos, taking some time from Friday and adding it on <coughs> to, to Shabbos. The, if you want to have in mind of uh, Bismana and not have to repeat the Ishman essay. All you have to do is wait till about 5.43 and then you can daven Mayrev properly and not have to say the Krishma again. Tomorrow, of course, is Shabbos Kodesh, Pasha's Shalach Lecha, with the whole story of the Miraglim. And then, and then the, after that, the, the rest of the story, the, the, uh, and the special Haftarah that we read, which has to do with the, the Pasha, the Pasha of Shlachlach's story in Yeshua of the spies that, of the spies that uh, Yeshua sent to Eretz Yisrael a second time uh, around. This week, of course, is also, it's Shabbos Mevarchim. Yes, it is. Rosh Chodesh Tammuz is going to be this week on Wednesday and Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday will be Rosh Chodesh, so we say Shabbos Avarachim, whatever Yeshul does in honor of Rosh Chodesh, of, of Shabbos Avarachim, a challenge, a special Kiddush, whatever it might be, go and enjoy 
enjoy it. We won't say Avarachamim because of Shabbos Mavarachim. And it turned out to be a very special Shabbos. The Perak of Pirkeavis this week will be Perak Gimel. This is the third Shabbos after Shavu. So we say, we say Perak Gimel. And Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at 1 minute to 6, 5.59 is when Shabbos finally ends. But it's a good week, a week in which Rosh happens. It's got to be a, a good weekend. Uh, it helps us to deal with the weather, whatever the situation might might be in our in our lives. We are talking about, and we started last week discussing the issue of Havdalah, which is the ceremony, of course, that we do after Shabbos is over to, so to speak, separate ourselves, to say goodbye to, to the Shabbos. So let's talk for a moment about how, how, how Havdalah is done over a cup of wine. So the order of Havdalah that's said over a cup of wine is as follows. So first of all, we have the minig that even before we start the actual Havdalah, we say various psukim, Sukim of 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 bracha, and, and we say it as as a as a good simon, as a good as a good sign. Bez Hashem, as the new week is coming, we want to we want to uh, wish ourselves and of course others, more importantly even others, uh, a, a week full of of bracha, a week full of Yeshua's, a week full of nachamas, a week full of simchas. So we say these these psukim, and then we make four brachas. The avdala consists of four brachas. The first one is. Which is a bracha over the wine. Havdalah must be made over wine. We'll talk about what else one could use in, in a minute. The second bracha is the bracha over the spices. The third one is the bracha over the fire. Over, over a candle. And the fourth one is the bracha of Hamavdil Ben Kodesh Hashem who distinguishes and separates between the holy and, and the, the mundane. Right now, two of those brachas are absolutely essential. If you don't say those brachas, you haven't performed havdala, and they are, of course, the bracha of Bari Priyagofen and the bracha of the of the havdala. Because if you don't say those two brachas, you have not fulfilled the mitzvah havdala over a cup at at uh, at all. Now, the reason why Chazal added these additional Two brachas, one over smelling something uh, 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 very, very good. And that's because we know that the, the neshama that uh, a person has is, is in pain, is very, very upset and very sorry at the time when Shabbos leaves. Because on, on Shabbos we know we have what's called a neshama yaseira, which is an extra degree of, of ruchnius, an extra degree of, of closeness to HaKadosh Baruch that the Neshama experiences on Shabbos. And now when Shabbos is over, that, that, goes, that goes away. And in order to sort of comfort the Neshama and, and sort of calm it down and make it feel, make it feel better, we, we give it something good to smell. Remember, smell is the most spiritual of all the five senses, it's nothing physical at all, and therefore the, the neshama, which is in itself completely spiritual, benefits mostly from that which is spiritual, and, and that's why we make the bracha for the spices over over it. And the second additional bracha we make is on the candle, because we know that on Moit Shabbos, the first Moit Shabbos, 
after creation, Hashem gave the intelligence to Adam Horishon <coughs> that he was able to take two stones and rub them uh, together and produce produce fire. And in order to remember this, Achazal instituted that we should make a bracha over a candle every single Moetzeh uh, Shabbos. Now, if someone doesn't have uh, any besamim, any sweet-smelling spices, or he doesn't have a candle, so then you can do the other two brachas. You can just say Baruch and the bracha of Havdalah without besamim uh, and without a, a candle. And then if at some point later on, on Moetzeh Shabbos he manages to procure, manages to come across, uh, let's say, some, some besamim, so then at any point later, even though he's already uh, finished his Avdallah, he could make a bracha over the sweet-smelling spices and, uh, and, and smell them at that, at, that, uh, at that time. And if sometime later in the night, even after he's made Avdallah, if he has the opportunity now to see a, another candle or a, or, a, or a flame, so then he can make the bracha of Boyim even unconnected to the actual, to the actual uh, Havdalah. Now, certainly, in the first instance, we should try to prepare for Havdalah everything we need, that when you make Havdalah, you should have a candle, you should have besamim, and be able to do it all as one process in order to make all the four brachas in, in, in the correct order of, uh, of, uh, of, of Havdalah. Now, in this order of the brachas, so we actually, if you noticed, we go through the five senses, but from the more physical to the more esoteric. We start with the uh, Bari first, which is the actual taste of wine, right? Where it's, uh, you know, taste is the, the very, very physical uh, sense, right? Because a, a person uh, uh, doesn't doesn't sort of uh, have any concept of taste unless he actually puts food in his mouth. Only then can he can he taste. So it's the most physical. It's the most contact with absolute physicality that uh, triggers that that sense. Then we go up a level, a level to the to the uh, to the concept of smell. Right, the smell is a person can smell things even if it's not actual. If he doesn't have any physical contact with with them, you can smell things from from a distance. Then comes we make the bracha over the fire the, because the 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 power of of sight is even more subtle, where a person can see things from very very far away. Even if he has absolutely no contact with them, you can already you can already see them. And then at the end, we make the bracha on Havdalah, which is obviously something that is completely dependent on one's intellect. The, the ability to make distinctions and differences is an intellectual uh, 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 skill. And uh, the, the, the greatest level that a person, in fact, can achieve is to make the distinction between that which is uh, holy and that which is, which is mundane, which is, of course, the process 
of, of Havdalah. We'll come back with some closing comments in a moment. This is 11.9. Chai FM, Soul to Soul, and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, soul to soul, back on radio, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh Pashas, Shalach in the year, Tafshin Pei Beis. We have just a few minutes left. We're talking about Havdalah. So let's talk about quickly some of the Minhagim, some of the customs around Havdalah. So since we know that the Chachamim instituted to say Havdalah over a cup of wine. So one should hold the cup of wine at the time you make Havdalah. And what we do is we hold the cup in our right hand, which of course in, for most people is the more important uh, hand. And that, as we know, is a general principle in all of brachas, that any time we make a bracha over something, one should hold that in your right hand. Therefore, when a person is saying Avdallah and he gets to the point where he needs to make the bracha, let's say, over the besamim, so now he's actually focusing on the besamim, so therefore the person making Avdallah would need then to hold the besamim in his right in his right hand. So what does he do? So at that time, many have the custom to actually put the cup either on uh, down on, on a plate and then afterwards, when we get again to the Brok of Havdalah, then they go and they pick up, they pick up the kais. However, there are some who, who make an effort to actually, they want to hold the cup even during the time when they're making the bracha over the besamim or over the candle. And since they need to be holding the besamim or, or kind of uh, uh, gesturing at the candle with the right hand, so the hand has to be free to be able to use for, the, for those mitzvahs, right, to hold the besamim or to look at the, or look, look at the, the candle. So therefore, in the meantime, they'll move the cup of wine from their right hand to their left hand. And only then, when they get back to the bracha of Hamabdil, then they return the cup to their right, the right hand. The Shulchan Aruch uh, brings brings that. Some have the minute to say uh, the Havdalah while sitting, because by sitting, so then everyone else sits and that kind of uh, puts you in one place and helps you to focus on, on, the, on the Havdalah, right, to, to, to fulfill the obligation by, by listening. However, some have the custom to stand by Havdalah in order to honor the Shabbos, which is, which is, uh, which is leaving. And in order to, to, to let it be known that everyone uh, uh, intends to fulfill the mitzvah of, of Avdallah by, by listening, so all those that listen need to stand around the person making, making a Havdallah, but bedyeved, even if someone is standing far away, if his intention is to hear the Havdallah, he fulfills his, uh, his obligation uh, 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 as as everyone else as everyone else uh, uh, does. It's really all the time we have today, so we're going to take this opportunity to thank you all for joining us. Thank you for being part of our radio family. Thank you for tuning in to the show. I hope you get something from it. I hope you learn. Hope you grow. Please, please feel free to give feedback either through via the station or 
to contact me directly. I'd love to know whether you enjoyed it, whether you didn't, what we can do better, how we can improve, how we can make the show even more stimulating. But in the meantime, I want to wish each one of you a very, very warm and inspiring and beautiful, beautiful Shabbos together, a Shabbos of Benucha, a Shabbos of Kedusha, a Shabbos of Hashkeit, of Betach, a, a, a Shabbos of, of, of quiet, of, of, of sublimity, a Shabbos where you're able to actually sit down and forget all the troubles of the week and focus completely and totally on your relationship with, with your family, with your children, and of course, our relationship with our Kodesh Baruch Hu. To each and one of our, of our radio family, a good Gebenshter Shabbos.